WHUPLP Hillsboro. Ladies and gentlemen, spoken stories again back for another episode of poetry and hip hop. I've got triumphant. Greatly enkindled by the many poems of Langston Hughes is what he says. His words has been in his mind since the age of 12. Inspired by the Motown sound which his parents surrounded him by, this artist began writing his words inspired by the 90s boom bap and hip hop culture. A R&B artist, excuse me, a hip hop artist, a spoken word artist, a man that is bringing poetry into the Raleigh scene with his press play influence. I've got triumphant. Also, I've got my homeboy Trav the Assassin, an amazing hoper, an amazing hungry, hungry hip hop artist out of New York, residing in Raleigh, Durham. I've got Triumphant and I've got Trav the Assassin on episode 22 of Spoken Stories. After my favorite instrumental in the world, we're going to get to some interview, we're going to get to some passion, we're going to get to some art. Vibe out with me, Spoken Stories. cannot get enough of that instrumental attention poets and those who enjoy poetry you are now in tune to the world's definition of art listeners being our body and our features being our heart in honor of those who came before me i welcome you all to spoken stories triumphant thank you thank you thank you for coming up in this building how's it going brother man all is well sir all is well Oh, yes. All is well with the world. Man. All is well that's supposed to be well. I've got an amazing poet. I've got an amazing uh, event coordinator with his press play influence. Mm-hmm. Um, as we mentioned, as the microphones were off, I gave you a little insight on what this interview was going to consist of. Yeah. So my first question, um, why why poetry? Um, with the press play initiative and with you having your notebook right in your lap, why put yourself out there as a poet? Why is it that important? Well, for me, it's basically because for the first five years, I wasn't able to put anything out in public, not even to my own mother. Mm-hmm. You're talking to a person who did not speak until he was five years old, was uh, diagnosed uh, incorrectly as a person with autism spectrum disorder, and come to find out, 1985, four years of uh, hooked on phonics worked for me turning everything that was written into a song by way of my mother and my father. And I, it just looked like I just didn't feel like talking until then. That, that's amazing. So just from that initial introduction of you as a writer, would you say your ability to communicate um, in the world, as you said, that you had that, that, that pause in your, in, your, in your breath, you didn't want to speak until you were five, that musical influence, do you feel like that gave you that, that umph to, to get it out there? I think for me, it was a means of thinking like the rest of the world had a five-year head start on what they had to say. And 
if I'm going to in any way tie or even win this race, I need to hit the ground running when I'm ready and go five times the speed. Mm -hmm. And since then, I have not shut up. I will not shut up. That's amazing. Um, So I'll, uh, you know, whether it is writing something as a poem or even as an MC, because I do both. Um, I wanted to make sure that as many venues as I could, as many facets of speech as I could, I want to touch those facets, you know, um, even to the point where getting, you know, older in age and and, and thinking about uh, ministry, actually having uh, myself go through seminary and uh, actually being an underday minister. So not only am I speaking to the souls that are inside of, you know, poetry venues. I'm speaking to the souls from the pulpit. Hmm. Yes, I know. I sent you that video of that apologetic that I made. Oh, and gosh. And, and you were really, um, <laughs> really enthralled in that. And I haven't recited that poem um, on the radio. So um, just de- depending on time, you know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not one to always spit poems on here, but I really appreciate your appreciation for that. Mm. Uh, with you said you being involved in ministry, and it's not a Jesus poem. Like I didn't mention Jesus one time in that poem. It's a God poem. That's a God mm-hmm. poem, what God's going to view us as. And uh, your view, and you said your take on ministry, um, your inability to speak as so young, it seems like everything that you're putting your your energy and your path through is so methodical. Like, I couldn't do this then, so now let me do this now. Uh, let me intertwine this with my music and my art so others can hear what I wasn't able to do then. And now, considering mm-hmm. I'm holding on so tight to it, now let me praise and show appreciation through this ministry. Um Mm-hmm. So I, I really am appreciating your steps that you've given me in, in five minutes of this interview. Well, <laughs> we got to make sure that we do make enough time so that you can recite that mm-hmm. apologetic, man. Um, the concept of God apologizing, God saying he's sorry, showing that there are some imperfections in the midst of what we believe perfection is. Because if he didn't make any mistakes, he wouldn't have to apologize. There's something that's so deep about that that I think a lot of people they'll get caught up into the metaphor and the, the the flow of the hyperbole and not really get the deeper meaning of it. You know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it after we play after we play your first poem. When, when we play your poem, you know what I'm saying that you sent me. Like, you got me in here smiling, triumphant. Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? I came in here to interview you. You got me in here talking about that apologetic. I love it. Thank you so much. After there should be we, a movie made after that, man. That's a there's an epic film that is that should come from that. He that, sent me you sent me the link on YouTube and I thought I was watching a film. Man, I really, really put some some thought into that. I, we go we we can dive into that after we play that. We how about let's mm-hmm. let's dive. I'm let's listen to this. Sorry to tease you with like what are they even talking about? Because we we are definitely <laughs> circling around something that y'all not sure of. So after mm-hmm. we get into some triumphant, we can I'll I'll play the poem or recite the poem. You know what I'm saying? Whichever whichever comes to mind. But but back back to you, bro. Back to you. You said you've been doing this for so. Uh, long in the world of music and art. I love how you said your influence came from the 90s boom bap and hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. Like that is a heavy tone in the music industry. Like, you know, boom bap when you hear it. And I, your tongue, your flow, I've seen some of your videos. They definitely have that boom bap tap rhythm rhyme. Get with it straight mm. punchline direct to it. You know what I'm saying? So where who, who influenced you with that? Was it your parents, your uncle? Where did that come from? A little bit about my family. My 
mother, child psychologist, awesome. social worker, works with uh, foster care. My father, epic story, especially because it's true, um, was drafted in Vietnam, had boycotted it on behalf of his religious beliefs um, as he was representing Islam at the time. And from 1964 to 72, he was a member of the Black Panther Party in Detroit, Michigan. And after he finished with all of that, and Hoover broke everything down in 72, he was like, well, what the hell am I going to do with all this knowledge of these guns and this knowledge of these laws and how to be self-policing? Hmm. He became a policeman. But he didn't want to be a beat cop. He didn't want to be the person that's just going to give you a parking ticket or, or any of that. He became a narcotics cop in the middle of Reaganomics, oh, wow. 80s, wow. Detroit, Michigan. And he was a person that just felt like Black power is not only amazing, it is exquisitely necessary. Your father sounds like an amazing man. He was. He passed away three days before Thanksgiving 2004. He was only 51 years old. I was 24, and I felt like I was going through a midlife crisis, thinking that I, a person that was living in a place where most of my friends didn't live to see 25, had to do something quick. Yeah, and then I'm pretty sure, considering the, um, I don't even really want to cloud it or, or say it in a adverse way, but uh, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of fathers in our community. Mm -hmm. So with you having such a passion for your father and to lose him like that, um, I'm pretty sure it wasn't a lot of consoling because a lot of people in your circle is probably like, we ain't got no daddy. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? We don't even know how to react to that. You know what I'm exactly. saying? Exactly. Especially when you are a person who has, you know, this military and, and, and law enforcement background all throughout your bloodline and your friends having their daddies getting locked up by people that are in the same suits that they're wearing yeah. because they're trying to do whatever they can to put food on their table. That's so, what yeah, I'm saying. I'm pretty sure that was an incredible dynamic. That was a plot twist. That was a, uh, an inadequate plot twist for you. I'm sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I think it makes I think it makes us better people, bigger people, stronger people. That's the whole reason why I even got the name triumphant. That was awesome. Did you hear how I said that audience? I said, I am sorry you had to go through that without me even being able to get that word out of my mouth. He said, I'm not triumphant. And he, then he thank you, triumphant. Thank you. Yes. Go ahead. Give us some of those words, man. Go ahead. Give us some. I'm going to play this first instrument. We got Triumphant in the building. Episode 22 of Spoken Stories. We starting off with some passion heat. We in this early. I hope y'all turned up y'all volumes. Episode 22, Spoken Stories. Your host, Endless Will, Poet Laureate of Hillsboro, North Carolina. You already know what I'm about. I'm all about some poetry. I love it so much. He's about to give us some poems to this beautiful melody that he sent me earlier. Um, just let me know when you're ready, bro. That's supposed to be last. My apologies. Oh, you hear him whisper. That's supposed to be last. That's because I, <laughs> hey, everybody messed up. We're, we're not supposed to present ourselves to be perfect. So we're going to play another poem. That's two that the audience is like, hold on. So they talked about a poem they ain't gave us yet. This one's supposed to be last they was about to play. Yes, anticipation builds everything. Let's see what you got, bro. Anticipation does indeed build everything to the point where we end up getting so inspired at the last minute to do incredible 
incredible work, incredible worth, incredible heart work, incredible effort. And this moment, this movement is no different. So this poem is dedicated to you, Endless, due to That's what's up. the approach towards our meeting, the organization of this meeting, because me being a person that is stuck in the T cross I dot format and you being a person that has a more laid back approach, a more relaxing approach towards bringing this movement to the microphone. We didn't see eye to eye at first, but now having this conversation with you, I'm seeing more and more of myself that I need to improve on. Oh, yeah. Person- so this one- Personalities are never meant to be perfect. It's as long as we can find ways to mesh them. And I appreciate the um, your candor. You know what I'm saying? That's v- very well respected. And and the energy is great. You know what I'm saying? So thank you so much for coming. So here's Impromptu, which was written just four hours ago. Awesome. Four hours ago, ladies and gentlemen. Real poems right here. Real poems. Four hours ago. Go ahead, flip that paper. I love the realism of this in the background. Like, you can flip the paper. You hear it. This is awesome. <laughs> C, colon, reverse Virgil, Chevron, underscore. C, colon, reverse Virgil, Chevron, underscore. I see your ass. Trying to give only a quotient to the coitus with the last-ditch digging of my facts in a fashion that will have them sweeping me and this meeting under the rug, despite what this moment in the movement commanded. I know you're tight into the intermittent adrenaline rush, the trap music of 60 words per minute taps, high hatting and unplanned happenstance, synthetically speaking your hypothesis, mistakenly on purpose, void of procedures, falsely deemed respectful enough to achieve the proper results. I refuse to lament over it. But I also have such limitations that I refuse, crammed limitations of life, depicted as art, abstract my ass. But never mind that. I'm here, promptly, on time. So I'll smile while I'm here. Characteristically casual as the kicking it commences, condensing my ideas in ways that will make it rain all up in this office, an extinction level event, an act of God that is not covered by any warranty or insurance. I assure you that I've planned for this occasion my entire life. But alas, ironically, I now hear the day crescendo of my soul increasing. My last breath before I fall flat into another dimension of my dementia. Forgetting my freaking lines. I find it all too funny. I guess I'll spend that last breath dying. (laughs) Laughing. (laughs) Wow. Not only a poem but a performance four hours ago putting so much passion into it (laughs) triumphant four hours ago that's what you put on paper and delivered for us first poem i woke up this morning and was wondering why in my mind i seen an itinerary i seen bullet points i seen actually what you're using to 
control the flow of this show. And I thought I had to have one too mm-hmm. because I'm a man of order. Sometimes of oh. too much order. And that was me looking at myself in the mirror saying, gotta, gotta be easy, bro. Just take a breath. But you said it though. That really shows how we are creatures of habit. Thank you again for that poem, listeners. Like from the paper organizing in the beginning of it to the really literally dropping the microphone in stage and walking across. That was a, a, a an amazing performance in the beginning of the show. So thank you so much. But that really shows that we are creatures of habit. Uh, as you said, that you are very cross the T's, dot your I's on five minutes before is, er, is, is on time type thing. And you said you all have that military background. Um, so without you even wanting to be that, that is what you were raised to be. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I I feel like I'm starting to understand in the sense of me being a parent and what are we making our kids or the people around us be based upon how we are? Because it influences amazing, man. It's really crazy how that influence is so impactful, what we give away and we don't even realize it sometimes. Two things that we can learn from anything, living, dead, or otherwise. And make no mistake, my brother, there is an otherwise. How to and how not to live. How to and how not to do something. How not to succeed. How to succeed. Mm-hmm. It's all about paying attention. It's all about paying attention. Do you try to implement some of your wisdom and way of thinking and militant behavior into your pen? Do you feel as the art that you put out into this world that your personality um, is influenced in that art as well? You ever hear the um, the old uh, adage that always starts off as, well, you know, me, myself personally, or me, myself, and I think that. Well, those three people don't, they don't see eye to eye all the time. Mm-hmm. Let me explain what I mean. The other part of triumphant, try means three. And I am a deep believer that there are three of me sitting next to you right now. There's the minister part of me, Minister Mike. There is the poetic part of me who I identify with as white flag as a person that gives his all to his people. And the musical side of me. The ones that makes the instrumentals to the raps that I write. DYZ, the dimension that is up and right at you. And they have arguments. And those arguments turn into some interesting overlays in my music. It is a totally different approach towards the art form that I know is not necessarily deemed fit for, how shall I say, public consumption (laughs) and it is that battle that I fight in my mind every day if you would picture take take schizophrenia and put a 16 on it I love it I have this question that I ask people I've never asked it on this show but I ask like my friends when we're just hanging out chilling like if you could um put an image of your brain, like what does it look like? And to give you an example of that, like I feel like the inside of my brain is a man in the middle of a building. 
and he there's like a gazillion doors and every door opens like a connection like this radio show like mm-hmm. another door is open for you now triumphant and another door is, has for my kids and my family like there's just so many different doors of how it goes it's like so compartmentalized in my head and doors are open um more than one door is open sometimes and that's when i'm connecting with a lot of different things so uh, a friend of mine said that theirs is like a computer and there's a bunch of different tabs open yeah like they they can only focus on one thing at a time only different tabs open so what would you describe your breakdown because you kind of gave us a little um insight of that with saying the three the musician the poet the instrumentalist so give me some insight on what those three look like to you inside of you you use the analogy of the computer and the windows. Um, for me, I have three monitors, and they are being typed at 65 words a minute all at the same time, and they're saying three totally different things. Mm. And sometimes, if I'm lucky, they intersect. When one person is breathing out, another one of them is breathing in, they braid into poems they braid into this song sometimes they're not even meant for the words to be fully understood it is just mentally a percussion of my brain the imagery of words just flowing everywhere and then the connection of the perfect words like that's what i got from that description like so many different words on these three different screens and then when they come up with these perfect words that's what you have what you say that's what you have what you share um Man, that's a good, I like that question. I might have to ask that question again. It probably won't be answered as eloquently as that. <laughs> but we've got Triumphant in the building, man. Thank you so much for coming in. This interview is going very solid, episode 22. So considering you asked for it, I will play Apologetic. Um, this is yes. a poem that I wrote. I love this poem so much. It's one of the poems that I do not necessarily perform as much as I would like, considering it's heavy for me, um, not in the sense of what the emotions it brings, but it, people really need to soak it in. And I mm. don't like when it's not received that way. Like, I can be honest and say that I'm very sensitive about my poems. So I mm. pick poems for particular audiences because I can kind of anticipate how they're going to be received. Like, I wouldn't do this poem at a bar type thing. You know or, what I'm saying? So this poem is apologetic. Um if you want to ask me some questions after the poem, I would love to answer them, but this is a poem that is dear to my heart. Uh, I shot a video for it if you guys want to find it. Um, I'll put the link out on the website, but this is apologetic by your boy Endless Will. Thank you for asking for this triumphant. That the first thing God would do is apologize. God will say sorry for the many shades and the hues of our different views. This lack of understanding of what he or she created, I'm pretty sure God will say sorry. Confident that he or she will explain color and let us know that we took it all out of context. Then God will ask, why were we so scared of color? Why were we so proud of color? He or she will ask, why did we put so much importance on beauty? He or she will explain to the point that imagination implants imagery into explanation and God with such conviction will tell us simply that on one rainy heaven day, 
He or she was feeling creative, so God began a beautiful painting and we, our colors, was what was created, letting us know that every unique color used made perfection from his or her point of view when, when he or she, our God, looked at that creation. He or she didn't see hatred, discrimination, or pride of importance on different portions of his or her painting. He or she just saw God, which is us, meaning you. Pretty sure when we all die, that the first thing God will do is apologize. God will say sorry for the many shades and the hues of our different views. This lack of understanding of what he or she created, I'm pretty sure God will say sorry. Confident that he or she will explain color and let us know that we took it all out of context. And God will ask. Why were we so scared of color? Why were we so proud of color? He or she will ask, why did we put so much importance on beauty? He or she will explain to the point that imagination implants imagery into explanation and God with such conviction will tell us simply that on one rainy heaven day, he or she was feeling creative so God began a beautiful painting and we, our colors, was what was created letting us know that every unique color used made perfection from his or her point of view when, when he or she, our God, looked at that creation. He or she didn't see hatred, discrimination, or pride of importance on different portions of his or her painting. He or she just saw God which is us, meaning you. I'm sure that God will then wave hand, create a massive rainbow with the beauty of newborn in its soothing, and God will ask us, which one of these colors represents your world's hate? With no answer to speak, God will then teach that every one color, every shade, every hue that we view is God, meaning you, and he or she will then say, I am so sorry for all of the confusion. God will then tell us that it doesn't even matter now because we are in heaven. God will then laugh, mocking our coin phrase of God don't make no mistakes. And again, he or she will apologize for the black, the white, the yellow, and the red all these colors and mainly the uncomfortability of what our eyes seen and what we decided to worldly point out and God will explain that we are now one. We have risen above the clouds, so smile, put outer down, lay to bury the worry and pride of our outside and God will then open arms wide consoling away our much-needed loss with a hug and he or she our god will let us know that we can finally live now thank you
thank you, thank you, thank you so much for requesting that poem. Man, um, thank you, man. I haven't. I don't dive into that poem um, that much. Uh, that poem came out in 2016, and uh, so it's been two years since that poem was written and performed, and the video came out. Um, so again, I really don't perform it that much because it's heavy, and um, a lot of the crowds that I perform at like colleges and high schools and things of that nature, like they're not very receptive to that poem um, mm-hmm. and, until I engage them, until I get them triumphant. Like if, mm-hmm. I, if I'm if i able to bring it in with a buildup of conversation and then I got them on the edge of their seat, then I hit them with that. I hit them with that when I know they go hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for requesting that one, bro. Man, thank you. Thank you for playing it, man. So, so I got a couple of questions for you. <laughs> That's awesome. What's up? And I know that this is not going to be an easy question to answer. And I'm, I'm actually hoping that it's not because I want a nice meaty answer to this. Oh, my goodness. Wow. But, I got um, chills on that. What was the day that you said that this poem needed to be written? What event, what series of fortunate, fortunate and or unfortunate events culminated and conjured up this poem from you? Well, um. I have kids. I come from a blended family. Um, I have a blended family, I, I mean. Uh, my wife is white. Um, I have three kids from their mother who is black. And uh, my wife's kids look like her, of course. And me, my son, my two sons, Josiah and Jordan, and my wife's son, Jaden. All right, so Jaden looks like my wife, and Jordan and Josiah look like me. So the three of us, me and my sons, were going skateboarding one day. My kids like to skateboard. They think it's fun. I, I like to... Um, involve myself in their activities like a father should do so i like that let's go skateboarding on a saturday i'm like perfect why not we don't have anything else to do we uh, drove in the car we usually go to the skate park in durham it's like an outdoor skate park it's fun it's like three summers ago three four summers ago uh, i wrote this in 2016 so this may be like three summers ago that I, uh, this happened so um we didn't go to durham we went to uh, Cary. There's a skate park in Cary I heard about. Looked it up online. It was like, it's pretty dope. Mm-hmm. We're going to go here. When we pull up, the guy at the counter w- uh, was going to allow me to pay for myself and Jordan and Josiah, my two black kids, mm-hmm. but he wasn't going to let Jaden skate. He's just like, his parent needs to be here. I'm like, bro, this is my son. And he's just like, wow. he's like, he's like, no, that's, no, that's not your son. His, his, his real parents need to be here. And Jaden is nine now, so he's like six. Like, what is he talking about, Dad? Like, he like the look on his face. Wow. Like, what is this dude talking about? Like, why can't I go uh, skating? So I'm 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 livid. And the guy like stood his ground. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't about to go all crazy right there. It wasn't that mm-hmm. serious? Just skating. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I was livid. And the guy stood his ground. So I called my wife, and my wife was in Hillsboro. She drove from Hillsboro to Cary. Like, really gay, that guy. You know what I'm saying? A nice little cursing out. You know what I'm saying? Let him know about himself. Yeah. And then we just went to a different skate park. And it was so heavy to me that the effects of my interracial marriage has effects on my kids from something as simple as me taking my son's skateboarding. Like, it was a beautiful mm. Saturday. they like, let's go have some fun. And something that I couldn't even control, the perception of me not being my son's dad. You know what I'm saying? Really kind of threw me off. Like, I I wake up to this young man every day. I brush his teeth. Like, this is my son. I love Jaden. I love him. Just because our skin tone isn't the same, I don't love him any less. And that guy was adamant. Like, that's not your son. His parents need to be here. 
mm-hmm. and it really rubbed me rubbed me so wrong and it just kind of like that's not the first time me being in a interracial relationship had effect but it's just the first time I noticed it with my kids you yeah. see what I'm saying so it kind of really made that poem of God saying like I'm sorry I'm sorry that we put so much importance on melanin and lack thereof melanin in the view of who is better that Mm. it's just skin. Like when I said God will create a rainbow with the beauty of newborn innocence soothing, Mm. and he's going to ask us, which one of these colors, which one of these colors represents your world, Tate? And to be able to look at like a Crayola box and to see which one of these colors is hate, nobody's going to point out something. But when we walk in this world, we're so pro what can't be changed opposed to personality. And that's where apologetic came from. Like, I'm always going to be black. If I have a baby by a Chinese person, a white person, they're going to be black. Like, I'm a strong black man. My kids are going to be black. But I can't wait until it doesn't matter anymore. Like, character Mm -hmm. matters. Energy matters. What you're giving somebody, art matters. Like, we can look at an art, a piece of art, and not care what the person looked like that made it, but we enjoy it. But mm-hmm. then when we know if a white person made it, we enjoy it a little less sometimes. Or a black person made it, we enjoy it a little less sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, like, and that's a real-life thing that I just said. And I can't wait till that's not a real thing. You know what I'm saying? Well, what I will say as far as my ministry is concerned, um, which is of uh, the... Uh, Unitarian Universalist faith practice, which is, for most people, uh, you think of it as somewhat non-denominational. It's more about getting close to that moment when that's not going to matter. Mm -hmm. You know, we are uh, people who believe that we are of one human family and that the only true race is human race. We have many different shades of each other, but we are all red on the inside. 1,000%. And we separate ourselves so much in just normal conversations. Like, I love basketball, triumphant. I love it. I watch it all the time. And if a white person dunks, the black commentator is going to say, man, he can jump for a white boy. Like, no, <laughs> he can. you laughing because that's, you know it's the, the truth. truth. You laughing all because you often. know it's the truth. And we say these little stupid things and we put them into the world and we make it like it's something that matters and it doesn't. No, the young man just works on his legs, bro. You Word. know what I'm saying? He works on his legs. He wants to dunk, so he dunks. He can't. It's not going to be able to not dunk because he's white. Like, come on. We got to mm. really get away from these stereotypes. And that's where apologetic comes from. Because God's going to apologize because it, it don't matter. Like, I, um, I'm in school right now studying to be a, a psychologist. So learning about mm. the mind. And I wrote that poem three years ago. I wasn't even in, in school then. But just learning about the mind and how it works, I, it's going to happen. And it, it's inevitable. Like, just 40 years ago, women were still looked frown, frowned upon for wearing pants. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and now they're wearing mm-hmm. leggings. Like, the... Uh, transition and evolution is there like as black people we used to get murdered for having a book in our hand now we write books Mm. we're just still getting used to the things that we can do so I am patient enough in my expectation to know it's going to happen I just wish I can live it like (laughs) word up I wish I could be a part of living that life where race ain't matter yeah we gonna get there we have to get there 
as long as we keep moving forward, we're going to get there. Man, we talking we talking serious today on episode twenty two. I didn't um, expect such a heavy conversation, but I'm loving it. It's useful. It's needed. Um, we got episode twenty two triumphant W H U P uh, L P of Hillsboro. Uh, we got your boy triumphant in here, really giving me the good energy, man. I love when I got good people up in here making me think and making us think. So, li- listeners, audience, uh, be appreciative of the gifts that we are getting today. Um, do you mind giving us another poem, brother man? Here is the preamble. Okay. The preamble is this. We do not have to wait to die before we start living. We don't have to wait to get to heaven. We can create it right here because we are co-creators of this existence and this experience. So the title of this one's called Going Up Heaven. I pray the Gideons got that whole heaven thing wrong. Hope they just buttered it up and baked it into a bread that looked like pound cake so they sleep. So the sheep would just eat it up knowing damn well it wasn't that way at all. Imagine that. Like they'd been there, took pictures during their visit, came back and thought, They ain't going to buy this, so let's just give them what we think will sell these books. Yeah, 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 boss. Let's give them Fort Knox and a a Midas touch-up. That's what's up. Then the masses will want to get there as fast as they can, by any means necessary, even if it's only in their dreams. I mean, you can't knock the hustle, especially if they don't find out until after the epitaph. The aftermath will be more money in our bank account. Square biz. Let's tell them that's what heaven is. Mercedes Benz is by Carl himself. Carl Benz, the creator of said automobile. Thank you very much. Gold by the Balkans in bulk. Enough to cobblestone the streets. You'll drive on there and the sidewalk. Side thought for the love of money is the root of all evil. And thou shalt not covet are two of those sins not allowed in his covenant. It's the biggest afterlife hack in the system. He kissed him on the cheek for a couple weeks pay. She asked for his head on the same color platter on her birthday. And y'all think at our exodus from Earth Day that we going to be iced out, freezing up cold, add infinitum cash mansions on top of streets made of gold? I'm hoping that was a lie that we all was sold. I take my King James to GameStop and the demand and exchange equal to the value of the truth and nothing less. Even if they don't sell Bibles there, I bought mines at a Dollar Tree. Mm. I bought mines at a Dollar Tree. Wow. And 10 cents is 10%. That's a tie. 10 cents is, I hope they see this, the kind of Wakanda I knew existed before the popular folklore. I hope they hear this, the male and female eagle harmonizing over the horizon. I hope they feel this, the palms of my hands dancing, gang signless, a wind that I can hold in my heart vows. I hope I taste this bittersweet victory like a savory pastry facing the hills from which I knew came of my help, void of blame for myself, either making it this far too soon or taking my mistakes way too damn long singing off key to a song containing only one verse in an awkward posture of a one-legged stander paraplegically on my last limb keeping abreast to first world problems from crying to crooning to statting the blues in a stanza declaring it the new negro negro spiritual standard in a land that's so extra extra i refuse to read all about it 
Hard labors to hard labors to heart failures to hollow graveyards to God's favor to harvest or harbor to pay for the days we was neighbors, but we didn't pay fair. We didn't play fair. Stowaways there, kept at bay there, at the gates that dares to electrify the collars of dogs not meant to jump in this invisible fence. Mm -hmm. Wise man once said, we are what we most think about. Another wise man once spent his whole life on the top of this mountain like this was the only thing that he can remain untainted by. And yet another stated our eternal status after this makeup is all made up. And so I've made up my mind to combine these three kings state of mind into my intent that my heaven does smell like frankincense and myrrh does know what I prefer does infer this greatness does psychically write me in this script draw me in this painting like what dreams may come where nightmares have come to depart from us where we will wear wool and whispers in the wind and the shushing of charlatans who shouldn't have said what they said to sell out a book so popular as copyrightless this mm. will be my bliss I'm dismissed from the class this one last time. May this be where we have our recess. Ah, yes. <laughs> to graduate to the highest grade. To be valedictorian of the power and the glory forever and ever. Endeavors end. And the genesis of a new day where the sun and moon shine at the same time. And the animals who used to hunger after each other's blood and guts give each other hugs and such. Yes. <laughs> this. This, Lord. This blessed be, this be my heaven for me. Wow. Wow. Triumphant, triumphant. That is a poem. Ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you for listening. That was a poem. If you are questioning what a poem sounds like, that was it. The buildup, the cadence, and the usage of the subtle pauses and his voice and ending it with the purpose this is the heaven for me. Um, I love it how we ended it so soothly as it was so impactful and heavy and using the usage of his voice and his vocal cords in there. So thank you so much for that poem, man. This is heaven for you. Thank you. Thank you. You mentioned that you are a parent. Um, has your artistic influence affected them? Do they enjoy writing and poetry and things of that nature as well? They are, I'm not going to lie to y'all, absolutely not. They mm -hmm. are all into sports, and I, I more than just welcome that. I honor it. I'm glad that they're finding their own way and their own way to, to speak. If they're speaking through the sneakers, let them do it. If they are, if their nouns, their pronouns, their adjectives, and their verbs as a slam dunk on a blacktop, then let them do it. Mm -hmm. Anything that they get that gives them joy. Let I'm paying it. for it. I'm paying it forward because I want them to find their own way. I've realized, too, that we try our best to take things away from our kids, like the electronics or the things that we don't necessarily mm -hmm. want them to enjoy. But um, as a young father, I'm not old, and my, my son is still young. He's 12, my oldest. But just realizing we can't take it away from them. They just need to realize how to use it. You know what I'm saying? There's some good in it. Use it to your advantage. You want a YouTube video? You like sports? YouTube how to be better in that sport, young man. Don't mm -hmm. YouTube the funny stuff all the time. Don't YouTube the cartoons. YouTube something that you're going to enjoy. So I love what you said. If they want to do it, I'm going to support it. Thank you for that. Wholeheartedly. We, oh, yes. Wholeheartedly. What, what do you mean by wholeheartedly? What That's a word that we say, we use, I've heard. But what does that mean? Wholeheartedly. 
it's so hard to and sorry, sorry to cut you off from your answer, but it's so hard to understand what that means wholeheartedly when so many people in the world don't have a heart. Mm. For me, what wholeheartedly means is in spite of everything, including yourself, knowing that your heart beats not because you tell it to, but because some other power, mm. something greater than you calls you to live. And because of that, you are on borrowed time. Borrowed time. And that borrowed time, you have to pay back with blessings to any and everything and one that you bring forth into this world because you're making them this in the same situation you're in also on borrowed time. We are in debt to that energy. <laughs> I've loved how this interview has flowed so s smoothly in the conversational aspect. I haven't had a chance to ask you about press play because we've been focused on intertwining conversations mm -hmm. with questions. I haven't even had a chance to get you to plug your music or your uh, art. It's been <laughs> such a good flow of learning and good energy so mm -hmm. thank you for giving me this good interview but but give me some insight on where people can find your music what your name is where your poetic persona can be found then mm -hmm. please talk about some press play man you are they know where they can find me i'm at endless will so where's your yeah. at where's your at triumphant.artist at gmail.com but oh first and foremost let me get the spelling correct it's t-r-1-u-m-p-h commercial at symbol a into the t why because it's bigger than just i oneness is way bigger than just i mm. so i had to switch that i out of that triumphant try as in three umph as in the energy and at anything that is placed my way <laughs> to survive adversity i'm also on facebook at triumphant, as soon as you put that number one instead of that I and that at symbol instead of that A, I am the very first one on display. Ain't nobody got that name like that. Hey, I love <laughs> it. I think we got the same name too, Triumphant, Endless Will. Like we, we on the same wavelengths, bro. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm also on Bandcamp, Bandlab. I have hip-hop albums. I'm actually working on some projects with uh, some guests that you had at the show before, DS Will. Um, also, we're working with Words of Mensa and tons and tons of people in the movement. The press play movement came from four people that just said there is a void that needs to be filled. These kids, this youth are not having their voices heard. These so-called underdogs are not giving the time to be on stage and speak their truth. So we're going to make a stage and we're going to give it to them. <laughs> and and that's exactly what play. we've done. We have sold out every single show, including the one that is going to be on June 8th. Final edit. The first ever all duet poetry slam. You ain't never heard of nothing like that. <laughs> 16 poets. Three rounds. Eight teams. One cause. Power, passion, and poise. If you ain't in the building... And you need to get in contact with me on how you're going to get in the building next month. Final edit. And everything that comes from this particular group of people speaks about it being more than just a moment. It is a movement. So let's get moving as a community in spoken word. 
Let's continue to elevate each other's voices so that we all can be heard. <laughs> That's Press dope. play. Press play. That's dope. We got triumphant up in here, man. This um, one that I almost spilled the beans on in the beginning. Um, he'd let you know where you can find him. Let's get to this amazing art, man. We've got triumphant in here. He let you know where you can find him. Press Play Initiative is doing great things, getting voices out there for the youth, for the poets who feel like they don't have a platform. Press Play is there. They're going to springboard your poetry persona so others can know what you've got going on. And with somebody like DS and Triumphant leading those reins, um, you are in good hands. Like, shout out to DS, shout out to Triumphant for coming True up in indeed. here. For also, Ariel, Lioness, and Queen Sheba, who are also parts of that poetic collective. That's awesome. Yes, a lot of a lot of awesome art. Um, what 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 what's the name of this poem that you about to end us with? The answers. The answers. I thought of it in. Also, this was also written today. This was actually written two and a half hours ago, and it was me interviewing myself, as if I was preparing for this moment right here, in terms of color based upon apologetic and how we would manifest this particular meeting. You'll see exactly what I mean when I go through this final poem. Thank you. You have spoken stories. Episode 22, we got Triumphant, your host, Endless Will. The Answers by Triumphant. What are your earliest memories of the world around you? What was happening? Legos, crayons that didn't taste at all like their color, ice cream trucks that are made, that made up for it, television, slapping scents into it, makeshift antennas made of wire hangers with aluminum foil as is de facto cold soldering, tearing through the news to get to channel three so that I can play video games. The simultaneous dynamic of an infinitely large and infinitely small world. Which important family events affected you as you grew up? Well, first and foremost, we must understand that the things we now think of as minuscule are quite majuscule to a child. So then, with that understanding in mind, I remember cleaning my room was the most important thing. That and respecting my elders, which in plain English defined itself as do whatever Everyone over four feet tall in this house says do or take your whooping without tears. Ironically, the event that was such as these that sticks out like a sore thumb was the first one I did not receive a whooping. Instead, I was punished with being kicked out of a house for a day in its entirety from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. I was forced out of my comfortable room, out of my comfortable house, off my not so comfortable porch and into the neighborhood to roam for a day resulted in a four mile walk, a home run swing, a fist fight, a first kiss by a girl on the cheek of course, and it changed my life to actually live that day. And because of that day, I haven't stopped living since. Which important societal events affected you as you grew up? My father was a narcotics police officer. We lived in Detroit, Michigan. I was born in 1980, so yeah, Reaganomics and the crack cane, cocaine epidemic hit me from both sides like a crash involving three cars. Had friends whose older brothers and even fathers were being locked up by people that looked like my dad. Yeah, unpack that for a moment. Remember the D.A.R.E. programs in school? Yeah. 
So much about the initiative that just spoke to me in ways that weigh more than the obvious taught me to, as Roosevelt said, dare mighty things. I'll never unlearn that message and God's help me, I never will. Did racial or ethnic discrimination affect your life? I found it quite strange to be called out as the black kid that talked white in class by kids who looked exactly like me. To this day, I still find myself using purple, red, brown, pink, and orange crayons instead of black and white ones used to draw supposed black and white people. Quite honestly, I never understood racism. Discrimination only came from people who look exactly like me. This might be so funny that you forget to laugh, but the only people that ever call me the N-word are other N-words. How have social problems changed in your lifetime? Social problems? I didn't speak till I was five years old. What changed is that I don't have any social problems at all now. I speak freely, void of fear. Do I feel that there are people who are have problems with my sociality? Yes. Do I have a bone to pick about the world's newfound fluffiness when it comes to being social? I mean like crying out loud to the cloud rather than having true interactions in person, you know, with actual eye contact and meaningful conversations rather than senseless chatter about celebrity and fashion and the cultivation of covetfulness? Yeah, I do. Social media has made us more antisocial as a people. Smartphones have made us dumb. Go ahead, call out your three best friends' phone numbers in the next 10 seconds without hesitation or a glance at the app that has it, I dare you. What are the important things you tell future generations? Dear future generation, by the time you read this, I will have been long gone into a heaven or a hell you all more than likely don't believe in anymore. It's a miracle that you are even reading this word pad or PDF file right now. And I'm thankful for that miracle, but I digress. In any event, here's the deal. No scratch that. Here's a dare. I dare you to share dinner in your dinner dining room table with your entire family without the presence of any cell phones or laptops. Matter of fact, I double dog dare you to talk about how your day actually went at work or at school without mentioning anything that was online. Even better, I triple dog dare you to sit underneath a tree after said meal, attached view image of tree, and listen to what you might think is silence and see it with your ears as nature instead. And then if you're ballsy enough, I dare you to create something that expresses what you felt about those experiences. Write about it, draw about it, sing a new song about it. Then write a letter similar to this one and tuck it somewhere with hope that someone with a future you digs it up and sees it one day much later than this one. May this be the chain that takes us out of the selected slaveries we have. May this be the key to humanity, which we will share the world over at least once, one future generation at a time. When you've completed this task and challenged yourself to overcome those dares, gift yourself a hug by way of your own arms in the fold with your eyes closed and see me there. And know that the person that wrote this left this here, left it for you. Know you are loved by me right now. Know that I love you in the infinite right now. Always. Signed. A generation. Passed. Oh my gosh, triumphant. I think that you are hands down the most passionate writer I have ever came across. 
And that's not taking anything away from any other writer that I've ever heard or ever read. But the poems that you're sharing, you wrote today, hours ago. Hours ago. And that's what's getting to me. The poems that you're sharing with us, you wrote hours ago. And you are a man of crafted work. You said in your intro that you've have you've been writing since twelve. So you and you came to this interview prepared spontaneously. Like that, that's amazing. Uh, like for me to sit here and soak that up. And you are introducing these poems so subtly. I wrote this two hours ago. Impact. I wrote this four hours ago. Mm. Impact. And not only to be impact, but to introduce it with that instrumental and for it to flow so soothingly and the intellect and intelligence in the poem. When is the last time you sat down and ate dinner with your family without the laptop or the cell phone? Mm. Try to spit out three phone numbers in, in 10 seconds without using the app or the device to do so. Not only are the poems passionate, but they're impactful four hours ago written for this show that that's amazing man i got that and for you to really say at the beginning there are three people that are intertwined in your head and when the three of them are on the same page they work well well they worked well four hours ago like you really did something for us right there bro thank you thank you thank you we're coming up on the last couple minutes of spoken stories this has been a very exciting episode um, Triumphant is great, man. I, I appreciate you coming up in here and linking with me. You and I have never um, been able to link in the scene, in the poetry scene, unfortunately. But I feel like this was the moment. Like if this was very dry, um, you you meant you messaged me. Like it seemed like the people that you've had in your show, you kind of have a relationship with. Yeah. So for our relationship now to be built on these seats and these two microphones and this our show and what you've given me. I feel like that's a good foundation for me, man. I really it's appreciate it. It's an incredible it. foundation, and I am I'm trying not to tear up mm -hmm. knowing that I have manifested something with you, that you have manifested something with me, an experience that's better than any of our imaginations, than any of our manifestations, and that is the reason why we do what we do. Genuine. That is why. Hmm. Thank you for your poems. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your militant father who gave you your spine, um, your walk, your pen, your power, your back shoulders, eyes forward, strong handshake. Your father gifted you that. So um, it has taken you this far in life to make three beautiful kids. So I ask that you gift that to them. You mentioned that they're not necessarily fans of the poem and the arts yet. They're more sports. Um, but I ask that you gift them. Let them know what this can do for you. You mm -hmm. may not be able to enjoy it right now, but when there's a time that you're sad, let them know what it can do for them. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We at WHUP, Spoken Stories, episode 22. We're coming up on our last couple of seconds. You know I like to talk till I can't talk no more. Go ahead and let them know where they can find you one last time, bro. Triumphant.artist at gmail.com. Triumphant. T-R-1-U-M-P-H commercial at symbol A-N to the T on Facebook, on Instagram, on Bandcamp, on BandLab, on SoundCloud. Press play, poets. It's more than just a moment. 
It's more it's, than just a moment. It's Press a play. movement. It's a movement. Let's say that together. One, two, three. Plus pray, pray poets. poets. It's, it's more than just a moment. moment. It's, it's a, a movement. movement. Shout out to having fun. <laughs> impromptu. Thank you, bro. Spoken stories. And we out. Another excellent episode. Shout out to Triumphant. Peace and blessings to all who are listening to us now. Thank you for listening to Spoken Stories.